You're listening to the Tan Talk Radio Network. This is Robert from Nostalgic Video and Cars here to tell you about Bellador's Pizza and Pasta, where the food is fresh, the sauce homemade, and the price is fantastic. They offer Chicago style stuffed crust pizza, New York style pizza, calzones, strombolis, pasta entrees, beer wine, and great desserts. They even make the bread fresh daily. Hey, they offer catering and any order over 10 bucks, free delivery. So give them a call at 727 581 5000. Place your order now. They're located at 131 Clearwater Largo Road near downtown Largo. Or visit their website, belladorspizza.com. Hey, listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. We all love to eat. Well, I would like to tell you about my friends at the Rib Shack Barbecue on West Bay Drive in downtown Largo. Their menu offers family-sized takeout dinners like delicious ribs, chicken, beef, and pork, or sit-down barbecue dinners, sandwiches, and even desserts. They will also cater your party. Everything is barbecued fresh using real oak for that great smoky flavor. So visit my friends, Corey, Jed, and Kurt, at the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 600 West Bay Drive, or call them for a takeout order at 727-501-9090. That's 727-501-9090. They truly have the best smoking barbecue in town. Oh, and be sure and check out their great barbecue sauce. That's the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 727-501-9090. I'm telling Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars sent you. Okay, so we just uh, forget about Logan taking over, okay, Flat Note? You always said that any one of us could challenge you, Butch. Well, because I figured no one would do it. Figured wrong, Butch. You guys can't want Logan. Well, at least he's with us, Butch. You've been spending a lot of time gone. Well, that's because everything's different now. Guns or knives, it's Butch? It's harder now. you got to plan more. you got to prepare more. Guns or knives? Neither. Pick. I don't want to shoot with you, Harvey. Anything you say, Butch. Maybe there's a way to make a profit in this. Bet on Logan. I would, but who'd bet on you? Sundance. When we're done, he's dead. You're welcome to stay. <clears throat> Listen, I don't mean to be a sore loser, but uh, when it's done, if I'm dead, kill him. Love to. No, no, not yet. Not until me and Harvey get the rules straightened out. Rules? In a knife fight? No rules! Well, if there ain't gonna be any rules, let's get the fight started. Someone count one, two, three, go. One, two, three, go. I was really rooting for you, Butch. <laughs> well, thank you, Flatnose. That's what sustained me in my time of trouble. Oh, ho, ho. <laughs> Quiet, numbskulls. I'm broadcasting. Hi, everybody. This is Bob Barsha with Fox Sports. Normally, I'm at the racetrack with the Barrett Jackson auctions for television. But if I'm not, I'm going to be listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and I hope you will, too. Okay, listeners, welcome. You are tuned into Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and I'm show host Robert. Run your computers and Google Tantalk1340.com, and you can see us live here in the studio in downtown Clearwater. If you've missed any of our past shows, check out our website, GolfstreamMotorsports.com. And you can check out the podcast page. You can hear all of our 248 shows. Today is 249. And next week is our 250th five-year anniversary. What do you think of that, Chris? Woohoo! <laughs> Woohoo! Where's the sound effects and the clapping and all that other Woo-hoo! stuff? And <laughs> Anyway, yes, 249th show today, five years. Now, if he had asked me five years ago if I said I was doing if, what I would be doing in five years, 
Who knows? It's funny because I had to go to St. Pete today and pick up some uh, Krispy Kreme donuts. To... Why did you have to go to St. Pete to get Krispy Kreme? Because that's the only place that has them besides Tampa. There used to be a place up in Palm Harbor, but they closed. So St. Pete down on 4th Street is the only There's place. There's not a Krispy Kreme north of St. Pete? No, that's terrible, isn't it? Yeah. And where, in St. I live in St. where is the Krispy Kreme? It's on 4th and like around I was going to say, wait, 70th. it's right near my house. 4th Street. Yeah, and like and, 72nd. Yeah, somewhere down, just south of uh, Gandhi. Yeah. But see, today... I drive by it all the time. That's the only one around here? Yeah. Wow, I guess I should probably yeah, go there check them out. Yeah, you should bring them up for when you come by I here. I just take it for granted because I drive by it every day. I assume that they're all over the... And I'm not a, I'm not a donut guy. Really? Oh. Huh. Well, see, today's Bobby's birthday. Bobby turns 18, and him and I, my son... Uh, our Krispy Kreme guys, and so we had to uh, basically. I figured I'd just get him a little uh, short supply of uh, a box of donuts, so I did. And uh, so while I was down there, it just kind of occurred to me that five years ago, over five and a half years ago, when I used to work down in Pinellas Park or St. Pete, every day I would drive to. There we go, fired up the Beatles. Actually, that was one of his songs to request. Bobby, this one's for you, buddy. Yeah. Happy birthday, Bobby. Daddy loves you. The Beatles. And, hey, I, you... and I just kind of like you a little bit. Happy birthday, Bobby. See you when I get home, and we'll uh, we'll put some candles in those donuts. <laughs> Do you want you want to hear a funny story? Yeah. My, uh, <laughs> I can't believe you just said that. So when I was probably, I want to say it was like my 30th birthday or my 31st or something. It was a while ago. And my buddy and I, whenever we used to go out, when we would leave the bars, we were always hungry. Mm-hmm. Well, who doesn't? You know, you yeah. go out, you have a couple of beers, you're hungry. You get like that... You know, buzz, I'm hungry feeling. We used to always go to one of two places, and anybody who says that they haven't had this craving is a liar. Okay. One of two places after you're drinking McDonald's or Taco Bell. 
we always had to go to one or the other. Well, my buddy, for my birthday a couple years ago, he didn't end up doing this. But then, like, a couple days later, he said, you know what I was going to do? And I looked at him, I go, dude, if you had done that, it would have been the funniest thing I've ever heard, and I would have died. And he's like, oh, I wish I had done it. He was going to get a bunch of double cheeseburgers from McDonald's and put candles in them <laughs> and give them to me and be like, here you go, happy birthday. And he didn't do it, but then afterwards he told me that that's what he was going to do, and I'm like, man... That would have been cool. And he's like, really? I didn't think you would think it was funny. And I go, yeah, I would have laughed. It would have been hilarious. And he's like, oh, well, I wish I had done it. Yeah, cheeseburgers. (laughs) (laughs) So you putting candles in a donut just reminds me of that. It's funny. It's funny that that's, you know, that's where we are now. Like, who who wants a cake? Yeah. I don't want a cake. Give me a piece of pizza with some candles in it. Yeah. That's funny. That's clever. That's, you know, personalizing the birthday. Well, it's kind of like non-traditional and thinking outside of the... Big Mac box. Outside of the donut. <laughs> Outside of the donut. And if you and if you and Bobby have a history of Krispy Kreme and you yeah. like the glazed donuts and throw a couple, you know, candles on fireworks. I mean, candles in them. You know. Anyway, so where I was going with it was um, in uh, about five years ago. I used to go to. I was working in St. Pete, and every morning I would hear this commercial, this WTN commercial with Downtown Dave. Have you ever listened to a talk radio show and said, I could do that? Well, you're right. You can right here on the Tantalk Radio Network. Your Tantalk program will include a professional engineer to handle every technical aspect of your program, professional talk and recording studios, four telephone lines to take live call-ins and conduct live interviews, even the ability to do live remote broadcasts. Not only will your program be aired locally in Tampa Bay, you'll be streamed live worldwide across the Internet in audio and video. When you sign off, you'll receive an audio CD or MP3 copy of your program, which can be duplicated and distributed. In addition, you can archive and podcast this copy of your program on the Internet for download and playback. Ready to explore the exciting world of talk radio? Here's the next step. Hey, Tampa Bay, listen up. You can have a one-hour program on the Tantalk Radio Network for less than the cost of one 60-second announcement on many local radio stations. We will put your program on two stations in Tampa Bay, AM 1340 and AM 1350. The cost? Less than a 60-second announcement on many Tampa Bay stations. Get the facts by calling Lola Jean, the broadcast queen, at 727-510-7622. That's 727-AREA-CODE, 510-7622. Call 510-7622 now and reserve your Talk Network program. And so one day I decided to call up. And, uh, and it was about, you know, getting a radio show. You could have your own radio show. So I'm thinking, well, gee whiz, you could get your own radio show? I thought you had to be a journalist, and I thought you had to be seasoned and experienced and schooled and educated and all this stuff. Little did I realize, all you do is write them a check, and you sit down in front of a mic, and you stare through a piece of glass at a production engineer, and he makes silly faces at you and pushes buttons around, and you've got to come up with a uh, a storyline or a show with content, and next thing you know, you too can be on the show for five years. So that's kind of how it started out. And if I listen to my first show, I want to gag and puke. Oh, yeah. It's I terrible. It's, it's, it's horrible. But ev- everybody says that. Everybody. But 
th- but that's what you have to do. You say if you don't try, crash and burn. Crash and burn. If you don't try, you'll never know. And trial and error is what makes you better and better and better and better. I'm not saying I'm great or anything like that, but I'm saying I'm doing a lot better than I did five years ago, and mm-hmm. I enjoy it. I mean, I don't get paid to do this. It's obviously brokered radio, which really anybody could do this. I mean, if you're really really good talent, you know, talent for hire. Well, like, you could. You can very easily become. Yeah. Good. Become so great at it that you get spot like people pay you yeah. you know it, you you make it work you yeah it. Mm-hmm. you could you could i mean it's like you know i mean that's how i got the mc gig and that's how i get some of those gigs mm-hmm. at the auctions as a reader and it's because i talk okay but at any rate i talk uh, good i talk good i talk gooder <laughs> a gooder uh, anyway do we have our guests on the line we actually here's the deal we got a couple guests coming on tonight we have uh one gentleman coming on here in a little bit and um down, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of racing, and, uh, you know, I started out club racing back in the 70s, now I'm reflecting. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, uh, club racing, you know, autocrossing and stuff like that, which is a good way to start, you know, because basically what autocrossing does is it teaches you kind of car control. And then you get uh, with, uh, you know, some of the car clubs, and what they do is they'll, they'll run on a racetrack, and it might be Seaming, it might be Daytona, Mike Lee. In my case, it was Lakeland International Raceway, which I think was one of the first ones I raced at. And... Um, you just get of experience, or you, you know, you just get kind of uh, um, seasoned, so to speak. You know, you're not a great race car driver, but you but you learn. Um, Go karting is an excellent way to start, and I think we have a gentleman on the phone right now that uh, runs a go kart track, a professional track, down in Palmetto. And I I'd heard about it over you know the course of the last year. I didn't really know about it, and then today while I was uh, in St. Petersburg, I was talking to somebody. We were talking about some parts, and he mentions that track again. I thought that's kind of interesting. So just a little while ago, I decided to Google it, and it's called Anderson Race Park, and it's down in Palmetto, Florida. And the gentleman that manages it is Carl Bagley, and uh, I think we have uh, Carl on the phone. Carl, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Hey, Robert. How are you doing this evening? Hey, I'm glad you. Uh, I'm glad I found you. I'm glad you came on on short notice. Tell us a little bit about the racetrack. It sounds real interesting, and sounds like a lot of fun, and it's a family deal. It absolutely is. Uh, it's a great place to to learn how to go kart. Uh, we have uh, classes uh, for kids. Uh, we have carts for kids five and up. Uh, we also have bigger carts for adults. We have racing carts. Uh, the the great thing about Anderson is kind of centrally located. It's uh, just north of I-275 on Highway 41, about a mile north of there. And uh, so people can come from up north or down south or, you know, even out, out east. Um, but we're open uh, Tuesday through Sunday. The only day we're closed is Mondays. And we have all kinds of great programs. Interesting. Well, yeah, you mentioned you're, you know, you you are located fairly fairly well geographically because you're right off 275 or 75 actually. I mean, with, you know, 75 and 41, right? And yeah, uh, you know, if you're coming off of 75, the Moccasin Wallow exit or uh it's just as easy to go off of 275 and head north at that exit 2, which is the uh uh the very last exit if you're heading southbound or the very first exit if you're heading northbound. Tell us a little bit about the track. How's it, what? T- tell us how the track came about. What was the what was the the concept behind it originally? Well, uh, the original concept was uh, Anderson uh, had a race team, uh, a open wheel pro Mazda racing teams, and uh, also USF two thousand, and they bought this track to test the race cars and also uh, run go karts. And we have a uh, an international. Uh, go-karting team 
We have our uh, rental carts, which we do from arrive and drives all the way through special corporate events where you uh, rent the track out for a certain period of time, and we've got great packages for both small and large groups. Uh, got an area for uh, a conference room that's used for catering. You know, people will bring food in. Uh, and, you know, it's just a great, great place to be. And we also have a, a wonderful stadium-style lighting system that uh, lights this track up at night. And racing at night is just a blast. Really? Um, yeah. Night racing. Oh, yeah. Night racing is a, is a blast. We're open till uh, 9 o'clock most nights. Very interesting. Now, I understand, let's see if I remember correctly, you talked about you know special functions. Wasn't it about a month ago you had uh, Patrick Long was down there, and they were doing some special charity function down there? with uh, yeah, and the Porsche? Card- Carding for Kids. Okay. Uh, it's, it was the fourth annual Carding for Kids held here at Anderson Race Park, uh, and it's a, uh, a charity that they do for all children's hospital up in St. Pete. And uh, this year raised $65,000 for the, the charity. Last year did about 50000 and uh, it's just, you know, it's a pro-am event, so they have a lot of pros that come over from Sebring. It's traditionally the week, the weekend after uh, the Sebring race, or the day after the Sebring 12-hour. And uh, we also have other charity events that we hold out here on a regular basis for MS and, and other organizations. Now, you also mentioned that um, someone can rent the track and they can test cars out there as well? Well, and that's a pretty special deal. Um, the uh, the track can have one performance uh, uh, vehicle on it. It's uh, it's certainly not the norm. Uh, for the most part, it's uh, go karting, uh, go kart testing, uh, and uh, and rentals. But uh, we do have a mile track that under very specific circumstances uh, we can we can rent out to these race teams. We're also very connected with. Uh, the Road to Indy, uh, Anderson Promotions is uh, one of our sisters, and uh, they run and own the USF 2000 Pro Mazda and Indy Lights teams, or not teams, but the series. And uh, so they run those series, and it's a natural progression from driving a go-kart first time when you're five years old, getting into the race team, moving out of the go-kart racing into the car racing, and that's a, a natural transition that, that builds from here. How wide is the track? I mean, in other words, is it like two car widths wide? I mean, two cars. Uh, no, you're not going to have any. You're, you're only going to have one car on at a time. The the track is uh, uh, thirty feet in some points, a little narrower in other points, um, and. Uh, when you've got a car on the track, uh, they're they're doing shakedowns, so they're going to be running one car at a time. Uh, we close off the entire park for that, so it's not really a spectator event. Uh, you know, race teams are can be very secretive about what they're doing out here. Okay, I understand. Now, just giving us an idea, let's say I want, I'm an entry level karting guy. What 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 would what would my budget be, for example? Uh, show up uh, like tonight, for instance, on Tuesday nights. We're running a special where it's buy two sessions, get one free. It's fifty-five dollars for three sessions. Uh, the only requirement we have is that you have closed-toed shoes, and uh, sixteen and up can arrive and drive. Uh, those that are fifteen and below need to take a class before they run on track, and we uh, have some regularly scheduled classes for that. And uh, also can do private classes for those that can't make it during our regular times. 
Um, but, you know, for, for the group of guys that wants to come out, give us a call. We'll put you on the schedule. That way uh, you get here and you get on track as close to your, your scheduled time as possible because we're running different sessions. We'll run kid carts. We'll run the rental carts, and then we'll let the fast guys go too. Okay. Um, but never never at the same time. <laughs> gotcha. Now, how long is a session roughly? How many laps sessions, and how much time? Are, are 15 minutes. So uh, whether you're fast or slow, you're still going to get the same amount of track time. And uh, uh, certainly, you're gonna you're gonna learn your racecraft as as people get get coming up on you and pass. And uh, we have great safety equipment, uh, really excellent carts. They're racing style uh, um, rental carts, so they're they're a racing chassis with with armor, basically, you know, so that they so that they last. Um, but it's a real racetrack. It's outside. Uh, the normal configuration we run is a 0.6-mile, 13-turn uh, road course. Um, so you're not just going around in circles. Uh, nothing wrong with those guys that do, but uh, you got to turn both directions here. Mm-hmm. Well, that's good. Now, I mean, even 15-minute sessions, you know, that's still a little bit of a workout in a golf cart or in a go-kart, wouldn't you say? It certainly is. Uh, you know, the the first time you get out there, you think, well, you know, you watch the cars go by and they don't look like they're going very fast. The the concession carts are, are doing 40 miles an hour down the, the straightaway. And if you came from your normal size car and you're driving 120 is what it feels like. Wow. So it, it's uh, – and remember, these don't have a suspension, so you are the suspension. So you're you're bouncing around and, and uh, pulling some Gs, and it's it's – very exciting. Sounds, a lot of fun. Sounds like a lot of fun. All right, now, if they want to find out more about it, go ahead and tell us uh, where they go, your website and phone numbers and all Our that good stuff. Our website is uh, www.andersonracepark.com, and that's Anderson with an E-N. Uh, and you can Google us. We have a uh, Facebook page. Um, we also have a YouTube channel. And our phone number is uh, area code 941-723-3900. Uh, if you don't get us, you're going to get a, a voicemail after hours. Uh, gives you some good uh, information, but we do listen to our messages, and we do uh, call you back. We also have a general email of info at andersonracepark.com, and you can hit us there, and we answer real quick. Super, and you're there pretty much all the time, Carl? Uh, it seems that way, yeah. Uh, <laughs> are, you a, are you a carding guy yourself? You know, uh, I, I am a very much an amateur. Uh, there are some really good drivers here, and uh, I wouldn't hazard to say that I'm nearly as good as they are, but uh, I like to get out there and have a lot of fun. I've learned a lot from these guys. Well, sounds like you're in the perfect uh, setting there because you, uh, you have access to the track all the time, so that's great. I certainly do. I, 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 I'd be one of those guys you call a cheater, you know, because I'm getting out here and, and practicing on a regular basis. <laughs> Super. I know my way back when, when I went to Road Atlanta, my uh, my instructor there was Steve Perner, and the joke was that he knew every pebble that was on the four-and-a-half-mile circuit up there at Road Atlanta. So, you know, he knew every pebble on a first-name basis. So that's well, how I knew the track. It's definitely true, and uh, the good guys know all the pebbles. The not-so-good guys know the blades of grass. The blades of grass, exactly. Well, Carl, I want to thank you very much. Um, Carl Bigley from Anderson Race Park and Palm Meadow. You know what? I'm going to have to make a trip down there one of these days, and I'm going to stop in and visit you and uh, take a few laps myself. We'll get you out there running. All right. Thank you very much. Take care. Thanks, Robert. Take care. Bye-bye. See you, bye, Carl. Okie doke. Well, let's see. We are tuned into... No, we are. You are tuned into Nostalgic Radio and Cars. 
I'll get this straight one of these days. Um, 249 shows. We'll get it one 200, of these days. After 249 <laughs> tries, you would think. <laughs> we have a winner. We have a winner, yeah. Anyway, so that sounds like a lot of fun. Anderson Race Park down there in Palmetto. I never even heard of it. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's funny how you, you just don't know what's in your backyard sometimes. That's, I have been to the one, and there is one. That I don't think it's nearly what this place is. But there's, there's, a Tamp- a, there's a Tampa Bay karting thing right yeah, down, down here. Yeah, down in St. Pete. Yeah, in Pinellas Park. Pinellas Park. Yeah. yeah, and that's an indoor deal. No, it's not. It's oh, there's outdoor. another outdoor one? It's outdoor. Oh, is that the one on 19? There used to be yeah, one on 19 right by on the 19. overpass? Yeah, right before the, right before the little overpass. Okay, okay. And I've been there, and it's good. It's, uh, I think it. I don't know, maybe you can... Tell me whether or not I'm out of out of line here. I have. Go ahead. It seems a bit pricey. Well, it is. I mean, you know, th- somebody. I mean, he said it was how much? Fifty five dollars for two sessions. But, and, and two sessions was how long? Fifteen minutes each. What? But, but that's a real course. So that's actually not a bad course. I mean, you have to look at it in terms of no. He, no, I said he, he said what'd you do? Get buy one, or buy two get one free or I something like that. Know. Whatever it was, I don't remember. Yeah. I I remember the one that I went to down here in Pinellas Park. It was uh, twenty bucks for. 10 laps? Well, you know what it is? It's not, that's, in in the big scheme of things, it's not that overly expensive. Where those guys get killed is the insurance. The insurance is ridiculous. So obviously they got to cover the cost of the insurance because, you know, everybody is litigious and so happy these days. Yeah. And, you know, with all the morons and morons advertising on the radio. Um, so, you know, people just can't be accountable and responsible enough. So when they go out and something happens right away, they want to sue. So consequently, as a result of that, even in racing in general, it's just very, very expensive because the insurance and the insurance costs are passed on to you and me and the rest of the consumer. It's right. just like when our club used to rent the racetracks back in the old days, you used to be able to rent a racetrack for $2,500 a day. Today, the very same racetrack is $20,000. That's insane. So naturally, you know, what used to cost us maybe $25 to run a car on a track now costs $500 for the weekend. It's crazy. Yeah, it's a lot of money. Anyway, uh, what do you got queued up on the uh, tournament table? I keep with the theme. Beatles! Ticket to Ride! Who's got it? Yeah. Well, you know what? I think I should have to get my son some tickets to uh, Disney World. You can get a ticket to ride. I can get a ticket to ride on a a go-kart. Yeah, there you go. Hey, you're tuning into Nostalgic Radio and Cars. We will be right back. We have, with a little bit of luck, a very, very special guest coming on this evening. So stick around. Don't go away. Tell your friends, Nostalgic Radio and Cars, the most legendary and fascinating names in motorsports. She's got a ticket to ride, but she don't care.
from Nostalgic Video and Cars, here to tell you about Bellador's Pizza and Pasta, where the food is fresh, the sauce homemade, and the price is fantastic. They offer Chicago-style stuffed crust pizza, New York-style pizza, calzones, strombolis, pasta entrees, beer wine, and great desserts. They even make the bread fresh daily. Hey, they offer catering, and any order over 10 bucks, free delivery. So give them a call at 727-581-5000. Place your order now. They're located at 131 Clearwater Lager Road near downtown Largo, or visit their website, belladorspizza.com. Hey listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. We all love to eat. Well, I would like to tell you about my friends at the Rib Shack Barbecue on West Bay Drive in downtown Largo. Their menu offers family-sized takeout dinners like delicious ribs, chicken, beef, and pork, or sit-down barbecue dinners, sandwiches, and even desserts. They will also cater your party. Everything is barbecued fresh using real oak for that great smoky flavor. So visit my friends Corey, Jed, and Kurt at the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 600 West Bay Drive, or call them for a takeout order at 727-501-9090. That's 727-501-9090. They truly have the best smoking barbecue in town. Oh, and be sure and check out their great barbecue sauce. That's the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 727-501-9090. I'm telling Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars sent you. We are back, and you are tuned in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. And we just bought a couple tickets to Anderson Race Park to go go-karting. Anyway, yes, like I mentioned a few minutes ago, we will have... You know have... I'm going to beat you, right? Okay, you're on. <laughs> Challenge accepted. <laughs> Challenge accepted, yes, okay. Sounds like a fair fight to me, Pacquiao. <laughs> <laughs> I got a, I, I got a you got shoulder. shoulder <laughs> yeah, you, yeah, you can't steer. Okay, but anyway, all right, well, let's see. What did I do today or the, the other couple of days? Well, this weekend, there wasn't much going on. There's no races going on, nothing in particular. Um, there's some out-of-state swap meets. I think Carlisle's coming up. And then next month, we got the, uh, I think it was a uh, meet in Oklahoma, which is uh, the Mid-America Shelby meet, which I went to last year for the first time. That was a lot of fun. But anyway, um, I got a call a couple days ago, one of my old customers. He has a, just, I mean, here, you got to listen to the story. This is just what's mind-boggling. This is just gives you an idea of where these classic and antique cars are going. In my hands... I have the most recent issue of Sports Car Market and American Car Collector. And these are the two publications that I do auction analysis reports for. So, you know, when I go to auctions and uh, they basically have guys like myself with some fairer amount of automotive knowledge look at these cars. And basically what we do is we look at these cars that go through the auction and we do, let's say, like a brief description, a summary of the car. And then what we do is we write a uh, kind of like a um, an excerpt on the analysis aspect of it. So the other day, one of my customers called me up, and they have a Mercedes 300 SL Roadster. This is a car that I appraised back in 2012. In 2012, this is a so-so car. This just kind of goes to show you where I'm going with this stuff. When you have the European exotics have basically exploded. They've gone absolutely exponential. Unfortunately, I can't say the same for muscle cars. I mean, back in 2007, 2000. 
six. You know, these cars were bringing crazy money, you know, six, seven hundred thousand dollars for big block Corvettes and, you know, a million dollars for Cudas or multi million dollars for Cudas, five hundred thousand for Boss 429s and, and Shelby's were two, three hundred thousand dollars. And, um, so that's a ton of money, but the but the American cars have kind of slid quite a bit. I mean, they've slid from you know you can buy a Boss four twenty nine for between two fifty. Yeah, there's still some selling for five hundred thousand, but that's no miles, brand new, original, unrestored, or restored to the max, so to speak. And uh, but there's a lot to be said for original unmolested cars. Now this Mercedes SL was basically a very very average looking car, kind of edgy, ratty used and abused daily, but not a murdered car, you know, just a used car that, you know, whoever owned it just drove it and didn't really care a whole heck of a lot about it because to him it was probably just another car. And uh, so originally when they approached me with the idea about doing the uh, appraisal on it, they said, well, we think the car's worth somewhere around three, three and a half. Well, that probably wasn't out of line considering that a nice one was six, seven hundred thousand at the time. This is a Roadster. And gull wings were bringing about one hundred fifty to two hundred thousand dollars more. So in the process, while I was doing my research, I was trying to figure out, well, what's this car really worth? You know, three, three and a half. Okay, I, 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 I can kind of buy that a little bit. You know, you figure a really, really nice one, let's say six, seven, and uh, uh, an edgy driver, you know, that needs to be restored is probably worth about half. Okay, fair statement. Uh, analogy makes sense. So when I started calling around to get some ideas on some parts, because it needed some parts, and I wanted to see, well, what would it take to, if we put a few extra pieces on it, would it increase the value of the car? Well, the headlight doors, for example, in this car, the two headlight doors, they had these uh, molded in uh, from the factory lenses on them, and one of them, the lenses was cracked. So I figured I'd call some people, and I ultimately ended up talking to a friend of mine that works at, uh, or is the manager at uh, Mercedes Classic. Now, Mercedes Classic is an extension of Mercedes... Benz, period. Okay, so I said, uh, Mike, how much, uh, I need a set of headlight buckets for this car. How much are these going to cost me? Or do, I ha- do you have one? He says, no, I have a set. I have one set left. And I said, okay, what do you want for him? He goes, 10 grand. And I paused for a second. I said, 10 grand? You mean as in $10,000? As in $5,000 a piece for these headlight buckets? He says, yeah. And I said, holy moly. So we started talking a little bit about the car, and we started getting into values. Well, basically, they figure it takes between three, four, maybe 5,000 hours to restore these cars. And at the time, the shop rate was about $100 an hour. This is going back in 2012. So if you do the math, 4,000 hours times 100 is 400 grand. Now, you add the 400 to 350, you're at 750, right? And, and then you're talking maybe two years before you see the car again, you know, once it's been totally disassembled. And again, this is a restoration, which restoration by definition is 100% disassemble, reassemble, restore. But I will tell you this, that all the cars today that are restored are restored beyond what they were when they were new because the expectation, the billionaires, trillionaires, and gazillionaires that are buying these cars, their expectations are a lot more. They don't necessarily want a car that is just restored to what it was in its original condition, the way it rolled off the assembly line, they want it better. So they want a little bit better fit and finish and obviously better paint and finish, okay? And they want better leather. And maybe you incorporate some newer, you know, uh, I'm not going to say technology, but let's say, for example, some of the materials. You know, you might have used, let's say, I don't know, something that was... Uh, you know the the quality of the materials today are a little bit better than they were in the old days, but on, but that but that works both ways. Okay, Cause in some cases it's not. You know, in some cases the gauge of the metals were better back in those days and more pure than they are today. But then on the other hand, you know, we have uh, aerospace uh, uh, materials these days that we can kind of incorporate in those cars, which basically some in some cases add uh, you know safety 
to the safety uh, features to a vehicle. But nonetheless, so as we're talking, the conversation's going on. He says, well, you know what? I mean, we have some people looking for those cars. We have a waiting list. And uh, what, what is the car for sale? I said, no. And the owner would like to remain uh, anonymous. So the long and the short of it, they gave me an offer. They said, well, you know, that car's probably worth just the way it sits between four fifty dollars and $500,000. And we've got people who will probably pay that for $500,000, up to $500,000 for that car. Okay. Fast forward. Now, the last auction I was at was this past uh, January. And then again, I was in March. And I was at, uh, in January, I was in Scottsdale for the Bonham, the RM, and the Gooding auction. And then again, in March, for the Bonham, Gooding, and RM auctions. And in both cases... Those nice, 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 excellent restored cars, you know, one minus cars, two plus, one minus. I mean, that's a very, very good show quality car. One would be probably something that doesn't even move and just basically sits in a museum and is almost near perfect. So that would be a one. So let's just say one minus because it's probably got a little, few little pieces of road grime underneath because it's been driven. Anyway, those cars were selling between one six, one six, one million six hundred thousand, and one million eight. And if it was an alloy-bodied car, which they made very few of them, that car could be worth four or five million. Uh, one recently sold two years ago sold for just under four million dollars, just to give you an idea. So that was two, three years ago. So today, five, six, it's hard to say where this stuff is going. It's definitely going north. So anyway, so again, I had to do some research uh, because I do the auction analysis reports for Sports Car Market and American Car Collector. I have access to the database. And again, when I do my appraisals, okay, I do them kind of the way you do a real estate appraisal. And because I have an extensive real estate background, or I did back in the day, that's kind of how I model my automotive appraisals. So I, I use comparables. I get very descriptive about it. Sometimes I put some pluses. You know, if the car, you know, if the car had a little extra here or a little extra there, if it did this, you did that, it could increase the value of the vehicle. But for the most part, when you're doing an appraisal, you're basically appraising what is there, okay? So in the final analysis, I had to, if, if they paid $1 million for just a driver, and this car is a driver, and it costs a little bit more, it's $125 to $140 an hour, so let's just give them the benefit of that. So now you're talking $500,000 to restore one of these cars. So let's just take a million six, back a half a million dollars off the restoration cost, or let's take a million eight and back a half a million off. And let's just take the average between the two, which is a couple hundred thousand, two hundred fifty, three hundred thousand dollars $300,000. You come up with a car that three years ago was worth $500,000 and today is worth a million one and a million two. And ladies and gentlemen, that is the way it is with those kind of cars. Now, I don't think anybody can, not everybody's going to run out and find a 300SL laying in a uh, garage someplace. But uh, I will say that uh, you never know. You know, stranger things have happened. And um, I was in a garage today, and the guy had nothing for sale. But, you know, I drove by this building a thousand times. I never knew that there was a Boss 429 in there, a 66 Shelby in there, a 68 Shelby, a 70 Hemi Cuda four-speed car, a 67 RT Coronet, basically, with a Hemi and a four-speed uh, a 427 Corvette, just a number of really, really cool cars. These cars are out there, and people do own these cars. So it's pretty amazing what's out there. The values on American cars, I'd be very cautious about speculating. On foreign cars, it's safe to say that if you've got a Ferrari, a Mercedes, a vintage Porsche, or something like that, 
you're getting a pretty cool car. But you really, again, have to do your homework. A lot of it has to do with authenticity, originality, condition, condition, condition. It's kind of like in real estate. You know, we say location, location, location. In cars, we say condition, 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 or mark, 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 model, 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 you know, because, you know, a 914 four-cylinder Porsche is not worth what a 914 six-cylinder Porsche is. A Corvette with a 250-horse 350 in it is not worth what a LS6 Corvette is worth. A Shelby with a small block and an automatic is not worth what a KR is with a four-speed and air, which is very rare, you know, king of the road. So you really have to kind of do your homework on these cars. But unless you're serious about this, I don't encourage anybody to go out there and start wheeling and dealing in the car business. I mean, you do it because you're passionate about the cars, because you love cars, because you want to get into the cars, and because whatever you buy, you like. And uh, so that's, that's what's important. Don't go out there to speculate. Do it because you're passionate about it, and then you'll be okay. And that's the truth. Hi, I'm John Morton. And this is the 240Z we've won so many races with. Now, this one's been specially modified for racing. But many of the features that make this car a champion on the racetracks also make it an excellent performer on the street. Power, for instance. There's a 2.4-liter overhead cam engine up there, and it really moves out. The handling is special, too, with fully independent rear suspension. And the Datsun has big disc brakes up front. When you're going this fast, I wouldn't have it any other way. Best of all, Datsun is more than just a fine racing machine. It's a luxurious GT car with all the trimmings. After all, there's more to life than winning races. Now, I think it's time for our special guest. For the evening, we have, ladies and gentlemen, the gentleman I have coming on tonight is a very well-known comedian. He's an author. He's also been a Fox News contributor. He's an actor, and now most recently, he's a film producer. I'm delighted to welcome to the show my friend Adam Carolla. Adam, are you there? Yeah, I am, Robert. Thanks for having me. How are you doing this evening? I'm good. It's funny you say this evening because I was calling. I called this morning at uh, 7 a.m. Uh, well. s- sorry about that. I bet. All right. But uh, anyway, well, Adam, you've got this great movie, and uh, I, I want to thank uh, you and Matt for putting this thing together because I've always been a big Paul Newman fan. You're a huge racing fan. You're into Datsuns, and, well, Lamborghinis as well. We'll get there. But this movie that you did, a tribute, this documentary on Paul Newman, is just an incredible movie. And uh, why don't you tell us about it, how the whole thing came to fruition? Um, I was vintage racing, racing uh, Datsuns, racing uh, some of Paul Newman's cars, and uh, working. I, I was I was wrenching on these cars and kind of working on them and racing them. And, and uh, I read a book on, on his life in racing, and it just sort of struck me that no one really was talking about it. Nobody really knew about it. I didn't know how deep his passion was for automotive sport and uh and and, and what it, really just how insane you know it wasn't it wasn't like paul newman was a racing fan he was a junkie i mean he was he, if he was you know if this was a drug he would have to go to rehab he he wanted to drive everything he could get his hands on and he drove professionally he won four national championships. He drove at Le Mans. He drove at Daytona. 
he was a he was much more into driving than he was into acting for the second part of his life, and nobody had told the story. Well, you did an excellent job. Now, for our listeners, tell us a little bit more about it. You're going to have is there going to be like a grand opening or a grand showing of this movie someplace? Um, it will be available uh, in a limited theatrical release uh, in about ten cities. Maybe one near you. Um, that'll be coming up this Friday. That's May 8th. It's also available for purchase on iTunes May 8th as well. And then uh, all the VOD platforms on May 22nd. But you can pre-order it or get it on iTunes uh, this this Friday, which I would recommend. Okay, very good. Now, I know you're a big fan of Monterey Car Week, and you're up there at Laguna Seca, and you usually bring a couple of cars. Now, Fireball Tim does his little thing downtown, that little film festival deal. Are you? Do you think, have you talked to him and maybe about getting uh, your movie screened there during that week? No, we didn't. Uh, we have not, but uh, maybe not a bad idea. I mean, we're bringing it with us to Indianapolis on the 22nd, and that's when it's going to premiere at Indy, and we're going to do a big charity event around it. But it, 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 it's not a movie that's just for gearheads, your your wife, your girlfriend, or, or just your friend who knows nothing about cars will appreciate this every, every bit as much as the gearhead, because it's actually, for the gearhead, a lot of guys kind of knew some of this. This story for people that just know Paul Newman as, as the actor, your minds will be blown by how much he, he was into racing. Well, what's interesting, too, is if you follow the movie, you know, it's there's the, like, for example, Robert Redman. I was surprised to hear that Robert Redman had a 906 Porsche, you know, or 904, whatever he had at the time. And then he was a car guy. Robert Wagner kind of liked cars a little bit. Um, you had, uh, 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 who's the recent actor here? Um, can't think of his name. Patrick Dempsey. Patrick, yeah, he's another one. And he, and Patrick Dempsey is almost like Paul Newman in a way. You know, his, he's more passionate about the cars than he is acting. I mean, I was surprised. I think, uh, you know, the interaction between Paul Newman and all the racers, and I, and I can tell you from my own experiences, I had the opportunity to watch him at Sebring in 1977 when he raced the, uh, the Bill Freeman Porsche, and 77 at Daytona when he was racing the Ferrari, when uh, him, when he was at... Uh, a number of times he kind of came and went in some of the Daytona and Sebring races. When he was here at the St. Pete Grand Prix in 87, when unfortunately Fitz was killed, uh, we were there at that event. Um, at the Rensport reunion, um, I actually walked up and shook hands with him. I mean, Paul Newman was really, really an amazing guy, and you did a great job of portraying him. And how long did it take you to put that movie together and gather all that information? Uh, by the way, you should have made this movie, because I've never even met him. Uh, <laughs> Number one, uh, number two, I think you said Robert Redman, uh, although he could have been Jewish. I think it was Robert Redford. Redford, you Redford, you're right. For. Yeah. Robert uh, Wagner. and but, uh, Wagner, I know. Ra Wagner and Redman. I know. I know what you're saying. It sounds right. the same. I'm sorry. Um, I just didn't want. I, I just want to make sure everyone listening knew Robert Redford's in the movie. Yeah, Robert Redford uh, is, in, and they were friends, but he was a car guy, which uh, I, I didn't know. Yeah, a lot of guys are secret car guys, I guess. Um, but, um, yeah, I just started collecting archival material and finding people that were in his life, and I ran down Bob Sharp in Connecticut, who was his team owner, and we went to Lime Rock, his home track, and we just started 
just just pecking away, just talking to everybody. Like Mario Andretti, Michael Andretti, talking to people about his indie team and talking to people about his, the cars he drove and the got people he drove with and against, the people who drove for him, you know, Willie T. Ribs, guys like that, you know, just they're just running them down and everyone has a story. There was one person in there, well, it's two people. I, I, you showed the Porsche. That uh, the Bill Friedman car, which was the 1974 911 that they converted and they raced at uh, Sebring, they raced in California extensively, but mostly at Willow and places like that. But he did run it out here. And uh, what's interesting is, as back in Amelia about two months ago, that that very car is for sale, and a friend of mine has that car in Atlanta, by the way. And um, so, if you have anybody, yeah, that that in the movie it was in a white livery. Yes. Yes. When it sold at Amelia Island, it was in an orange livery. Correct. Correct. Um, um, is Bill? Know, the, go ahead. Yeah, seventy-four RSR. I mean, it's not a real RSR. No. I think they just put it. They put it together. But did you say a friend of your bought that car? A friend of mine owns that car. It's still for sale. Oh, it didn't sell. No, it did not sell. Oh, okay. So it. Well, it's an interesting. It needs an to. Interesting car. It needs to be in your stable because you have Datsuns and Lamborghinis. You need a Porsche in there. Yeah, I agree. It's 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 interesting because it was a it was a Newman car and he drove it at Sebring. I think he, oh, I believe he just drove it once, but he drove it at a big race, which is Sebring. Right. Well, it raced out in California a few times, and they just did some local events with it out there. And um, oh, okay. But uh, I was just curious because Bill Freeman. Um, I I didn't see him in there, although the name was on the car. And then another guy that I didn't know whether you knew or familiar with, but uh, Kevin Jeanette's down here in West Palm Beach, Gunner Racing. They were good friends, him and Paul Newman. Well, you know the thing about Newman and racing, it's, I don't know, it's sort of like, I don't know, the town drunk or the town whore. Like, once you start talking to people, it turns out everybody has a story, you know? Right. And the thing about... Paul, as he was so deep into racing, and he went so many different directions, and he was around for so long that every time his name comes up, someone's like, oh, you didn't know about this guy? Oh, no, he ran with this guy. Yeah, well, he ran with everybody, and so everyone has a story. Well, Jeanette Racing built the actual Doc Hudson car, which is like a, because they made some movie cars, right? But so what Kevin Jeanette, right. Kevin did is he built this Doc Hudson car, but it was based off a real NASCAR platform. And when they were doing the preview for the movie up at Charlotte, Paul Newman actually drove that car on the track, and he got it up to 180 on the back uh, turns. 180? Yes. Wow. So in that car, yeah, wow. and that car's in in uh, West Palm Beach. But if you ever you, you know, send me some information, I'll get you. I'll get you hooked up with those guys because I know you're a huge fan. But here's the thing that impressed me about the movie: I had no idea that Paul Newman was that fierce, and I want to use the word fierce of a driver, and he really was, wasn't he? Yeah, he didn't uh, leave a lot of room, as, as Willie T. Ritz said. You you had to earn it if you wanted to pass him. He had to earn it. I think he was a very competitive guy. Um, you know, he was driving really nice cars that he he wasn't paying for. And, you know, he wasn't a privateer out there. He had Budweiser and Planters Peanuts and Nissan. And, and he could afford to bang around a little a fiberglass or sheet metal. And he would. You know, he drove, he drove hard. He was a very competitive guy. Uh, I mean, 
super, super competitive. I mean, I, you know, in Long Beach, when he went to the barriers, uh, it, as indicated in the film, he, he just, he just, he just took an inside line and just never let up. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, occasionally it would get him into trouble, but he was a competitive guy. That's, that's why, I think that's why he was attracted to it. Interesting. Speaking of which, now, you'll be um, at, at Moroso, prob- or not Moroso, Laguna Seca. Which cars are of Paul Newman's are you going to have there? Because I know you have the you have one of the five tens, and don't you have one of the two hundred XX or two hundred Xs or something like that? One of the early cars, also. Yeah, I just have bits and pieces of the five ten. Okay. Um, I have um, is <clears throat> I have his eighty five winning uh, nineteen eighty five winning GT one championship car. Um, that's a three hundred DX two train car. And then I have the next year. <clears throat> sorry, my voice is going out. I have the next year's car as well. It's an '86 GT1 championship car. Um, I usually drive a two plus two Z car. It's a two frame turbocharged car. Big, you know, like 14 inch rims in the rear and like 12 in the front. Um, I may be bringing the biggest of the big cars, which is the 200 SX, 200 ZX with the V8 turbo in it. Oh, really? Monster behemoth car. Yeah. Got 933 horsepower, I think. Holy mackerel. Well, now, yeah. is, is that, a, is that a, a prototype car? Is that GT? It's, it's, that was a little, little bit more serious, 900 some odd horsepower car. So, would that have been a prototype car or, or the a GT1 car? Or what was that? What class? Um, it was it was a, uh, I don't know, it was raced in GT. Uh, it was raced in Trans Am, I think. Okay. It, it, it was built. It was built to go against the 935s, who, oh. who had a turbo and a, and a ton of power. Okay. And um, it was. It, no, it, it it is built on a 280ZX platform, but it, it doesn't really look anything like a 280ZX. Um, but it. Uh, yeah, it's, it's it's pretty crazy. It's got a it's got a V8 in it, a Japanese V8 in it, which they didn't they didn't bring out here back then. Pretty, it's got uh, two turbochargers on it. Pretty amazing car. Well, Adam, we're just about out of time. Why don't you go ahead and plug your movie one more time, and then what I'd like to do, maybe if you got some time down the road, let's uh, let's revisit this before Monterey, and then we can talk a little about other cars and other racing and all the classics and antiques you're into. So go ahead and plug your movie one more time, Adam. Well, I'll give you two plugs. Uh, you can see Winning the Racing Life of Paul Newman, and you can just go online and Google it or go to iTunes and find out when it's going to be available or where it's playing in a town near you and all that stuff. You can also see uh, Road Hard, which is a comedy that I wrote, directed, and crowdfunded, which is uh, really good as well, and that's, that's out. And I think you just get that on all the VOD platforms. For you know, five or six bucks. Super. So, uh, give that a rental if you want to laugh, and uh, if you want to cry a little, uh, see the uh, Newman doc. All right, we're just about out of time. Adam, thank you very much. Adam Corolla, winning. Paul Newman. In the meantime, everybody's tuned into the South Radio and Cars every Tuesday night, 7 p.m. Next week, five-year anniversary show. Stay safe, drive carefully, love your family. See you guys. Take care. Out of 
school, but there's a fella in there will pay you $10 if you sing into his can. Downtown Dave. I'm not here to make a record, you dumb cracker. It broadcast me out on the radio. WTAN, Clearwater, Tampa Bay. WDCF, Dade City, Tampa Bay. WZHR, Zephyr Hills, Tampa Bay. Listen. You dumb cracker.